0: Hey guys, it's Sinead Darcy, and you're listening to Girls Let's Talk. Today, we're going to be talking about racial bias. Most of you understand what it means to be racist, but do you understand what it means to have racial bias? Whether you're a person that cringes at the thought of someone calling you a racist, a social advocate for human rights, or even a person of color, this is for you. You may not be racist, but you definitely have racial bias. Let me explain. First of all, racial bias is when you show bias to one race over another. So what's the difference between being racist and having racial bias? One is conscious, or explicit, and the other is subconscious, or implicit. If you're having trouble understanding what racial bias actually looks like, let me break it down for you. It's obvious when you're with a group of friends that are different races than you. This is why it's so important to have a diverse friend group, so you can see how other people's experiences are much different than your own. It's hard to see it if you aren't the one who suffers, or if you benefit from racial bias. According to a recent study, most white Americans think that race is no longer an issue, whereas most black Americans say it's a major issue. You can probably guess who suffers from racial bias. Racial bias is also known as a subset of tribalist biases based on your group identity. Basically, people form groups and favor the kind of people that belong to their group and reject others that don't. Think of it like the cool kids in school keeping out people that don't look and act like they do. Except it's not just a popularity contest. When people of color aren't accepted, they aren't just not let into a group. They then become victims of racial profiling, racial stereotypes, and institutionalized racism. That then leads them to be excluded from housing, education, and employment. Racial stereotypes are generalizations about people of a certain race. People use these stereotypes to justify excluding minorities. For example, an employer might deny someone a job because of the stereotypes of them being lazy regardless of that person's actual work ethic. You might be thinking, but I mean, stereotypes are there for a reason. Okay, imagine people started saying everyone with wavy hair is lazy. Sure, you may know of a person with wavy hair that's lazy, but that doesn't mean that the whole population of people with wavy hair are lazy. But you believe that to be true because That is your experience. But as we know, we don't all share the same experiences. Racial profiling is a great example of racial bias. Targeting groups of people based on the thought that they're more likely to commit certain crimes. Muslim Americans to Hispanics to Blacks and more. Black and Hispanic men are often stopped by police to search them for drugs and guns. But research from the New York Civil Liberties Union showed that police actually find more weapons on white people than people of color. Even black shoppers are profiled in stores. Research has found that it's actually white female shoppers that are the group most likely to shoplift. A number of law enforcement agencies have faced charges due to mistreating Latinos that they thought were unauthorized immigrants. Understanding these forms of biases can help combat racism. There is also internalized racism, which refers to the feelings of self-hatred, experienced by individuals of an oppressed group. This happens because traits of minorities have been historically devalued in Western society. Colorism is also a factor. This is discrimination based on skin color. For example, people of color showing bias towards light-skinned people as opposed to darker-skinned. Black, Asian, and Hispanic people are all treated worse than their light-skinned counterparts by white people or members of their own race. Here's a term you may or may not have heard. Microaggressions, a subtle but offensive comment or action directed at a minority or other non-dominant group that is often unintentional or unconsciously reinforces a stereotype. Remember, racism isn't always easily seen. It can be things like being ignored, made fun of, or even just treated differently. A great example of microaggressions is when white people touch black people's hair. Let's say you're a white person and you're hanging out with your friend who is black. You decide to touch their hair and they freak out. You may be thinking, what is wrong with them? We're friends, why are they freaking out? Microaggressions are often described as getting a mosquito bite. If you're white, you may have someone touch your hair every once in a while. So every once in a while, you get a mosquito bite. A black person could have people trying to touch their hair all day, every day. They get tons of mosquito bites every day. Meaning, by the time you come along and try to touch their hair, of course they're going to freak out. So would you. Or do you think you wouldn't care? Well, it's easy for you to say not having to actually experience it. Make sense? And never make assumptions. Like assuming that anyone with a non-Western name couldn't have been born in the U.S.? This kind of racial prejudice is what led to institutionalized racism. During World War II, more than 110,000 Japanese Americans were forced into internment camps because government officials assumed that these Americans would side with Japan in the war. They ignored the fact that Japanese Americans viewed themselves as Americans. And actually, no Japanese-American was found guilty of espionage during this period. Psychologist John DeVidio sums up racial bias best. He says, We used to think about racism in a very simple way. That people have negative thoughts, negative feelings, hatred towards a certain group. But since the 1960s, when there was a civil rights legislation, it changed the way we thought about race. Because it was not only immoral to think that way, but it was illegal to discriminate. And what we think is that racism has become more subtle since then. That people still have negative feelings, but they may not be aware of those negative feelings. Instead of feelings of hatred, it's more like feelings of avoidance and discomfort. He goes on to say that there's research that shows only a small portion of Americans today have old fashioned kind of racism, explicit kind of racism. But the majority of white Americans, because they've grown in a culture that has been historically racist in many ways, because they're exposed to the media that associates violence, drugs, and poverty with certain groups, the majority of these white Americans, about two thirds to three quarters, have this unconscious racial bias. Can't relate? Maybe you have tons of friends of color and work in a diverse environment. Well, John says, most of us want to be good people. One of the consequences of unconscious bias is that you don't discriminate in a situation where what's right and wrong are clearly defined, because you know what you're supposed to do when you do it. But it actually happens when you can justify a response on the basis of some other factor, other than race so, there are maybe like two people that you're interviewing, one white and one black, and you shift your criteria for the job in a way that actually favors the white person without actually directly discriminating against them. It's only when we're not paying attention that we discriminate. It's something unconscious. You don't know you have it. It's just that simple. So you can't think about what you're really feeling. What you have to do is assume you probably have these biases if you're an average American. And then what you have to do is try to control those biases in the way that you behave towards people. You often have to acknowledge that you may have these biases. So it's an ongoing battle because you can't really get rid of these. They're like having bad habits of mind that you've grown up with. And so you just have to work at always being alert always conscious and always receptive to the possibility that we might be biased. He goes on to say, one of the problems with aversive racism is that you actually avoid the group and you avoid the group because they make you uncomfortable and you can therefore maintain the stereotypes of that group. If you have a lot of interaction with members of that group, then you no longer think about that person as being a member of a group. You think of them as individuals. And still, you haven't really gotten rid of the implicit bias, but you've been able to fine-tune the way you interact with people. So why is this so important? John says they started doing some research with police officers using different computer simulation games where you would shoot or not shoot somebody that appeared on a screen. And that person either had a gun or had an object, like a wallet. And then you would have to make a decision. Do you shoot or not shoot that person? And what the research found was two things. One, was that people were much more likely to shoot an unarmed black person than an unarmed white person. And second of all, implicit bias or unconscious bias predicted that result. On average, there's shooter bias, and the shooter bias is related to unconscious or implicit attitudes. And work with police officers shows the same bias, and that is related to their unconscious or implicit attitudes as well. And the more they're exposed in their daily activity to black violence, the police officers, the more likely they are to show this kind of bias. So what it talks about is nobody wants to shoot an unarmed person. That's not our intentions. But what it shows is you have these very quick associations of Blacks with crime and violence. Even if you're well-trained in your profession, it makes you susceptible to making a split-second decision that you can never take back. And after all that, if you're still not getting it, a study found that when white and Black people were sent to get a used car, Blacks were offered prices almost $700 higher. Emails with stereotypically Black names were sent to apartment rental ads and had fewer responses than the ones with white names. White state legislators were found less likely to respond to constituents with Black-sounding names in both parties. Emails that were sent to faculty of universities to talk about research opportunities were more likely to get a reply when a stereotypically white name was used. Even eBay. When iPods were on auction, researchers changed the skin color of the hand holding the iPod in the photos. A white hand received 21% more offers than the black. Psychologist Daniel Kahneman explains this by saying, we either think fast or slow. When we decide something, we weigh a few facts slowly, but for other hundreds of factors, We rely on intuitive judgment and we weigh these unconsciously so fast. You may be working to avoid discrimination in your slow thinking, but during fast thinking it's easy to creep in. These quick judgments are based on movies we watch, the news, and so many other things. This kind of discrimination has been studied by dozens of researchers who document implicit or unconscious bias outside of our awareness. They say that the key to this fast thinking discrimination is knowing that we all have it, even when we have good intentions. A study in 2007 asked people in a video game simulation to shoot people who are holding a gun. Some of the people were criminals and some innocent. Black people were shot at a higher rate than even those that were not holding guns. So how do we fight against racial bias? First, accept that even if you have the best intentions that you have racial bias. Make friends with people that don't look like you so you can understand other people's experiences and fight against stereotypes. You can also fight against stereotypes by not making assumptions about a person based on the color of their skin. Stand against racial profiling. Say something when you see it. Fight against colorism by challenging the Western beauty standard. Understand microaggressions. Stand against institutionalized racism. And lastly, think slower, so you won't make quick judgments and risk showing racial bias. Don't just take my word for it. Talk to people close to you who are affected by racial bias. Ask their advice and be open to change. Eliminate racial bias wherever you find it, whether that be in yourself, your home, work, or anywhere else. Well, guys, that's all for today. Thank you for coming over. But before you go, remember, you are enough. See you next time.